Hey y'all, before we jump into today's episode, we would like to invite you to a special event we're hosting on May 30th called Women in Whiskey. Join us for an adult field trip filled with Southern fun at the Jack Daniels Distillery right here in our home state of Tennessee. Get ready to learn while sipping. We will be taking a private tour of the distillery, enjoy a barbecue lunch on the beautiful hillside, and partake in early happy hour with cocktails provided by Jack Daniels as we listen in on a conversation with women who work in the industry. The conversation will be led by yours truly, your hosts of the Steel Magnolias podcast. Learn more about the event at steelmagnoliaspodcast.com. You can grab your tickets there and we cannot wait to see you on May 30th. And now on with the show. Born in Tupelo, Mississippi in 1935, Elvis Aaron Presley began his career in Memphis, Tennessee, and was on a fast track to become the king of rock and roll. He is considered one of the most significant figures of the 20th century. He had 149 songs appear on the Billboard Top 100 pop chart. Our mom has been a lifelong fan of Elvis and even got to see him perform in Las Vegas one of the first nights he was there in 1969. He was a special artist to our mom in ways that only fans of the 50s to 70s could understand. So we dedicate this episode to you, Mom. I'm Lainey. And I'm Laura Beth. And we are Steel Magnolias. The strength of steel with the grace of a magnolia. We are here to have uplifting conversations about life in the South. And we've got plenty of room at our table. So pull up a chair. We sold out on our very first day of ticket sales for our first ever live podcast recording event. I can't even believe it. I can believe it, but I can't believe it. I'm just thrilled. I'm so excited. So many of you guys are coming and we just can't wait. It's going to be so great. October 30th, we get to see so many of y'all's faces. And, and we have a fun giveaway today. Yes. Totally separate from that. So keep keep listening to this episode for details at the very end for our Sun Records giveaway. Okay, so back to that intro. 149 on the Billboard 100. 149, yes. Unbelievable. And 114 of those were top 40. And 40 of those were in the top 10. And 18 of those were number ones. Wow. That's incredible. His number one singles spent a total of 80 weeks at number one. Like That's a whole Whoa. lot of number one. Whoa. Uh, you could probably even guess some of these, but Heartbreak Hotel, Don't Be Cruel, Hound Dog, Love Me Tender, Jailhouse All Shook Rock. Up, Jailhouse Rock. <laughs> Let me be your teddy bear. Our mom loved that one. Well, she loved all of the above. Anything he was singing, Any, she loved. Anything he <laughs> appeared on, sung, or yes. And let's face it, when he was in his prime, I'm sorry, is there anybody better looking? Not I many. Know, I know. And you're you're saying in prime, that would be uh, 57. 50, I was going to say 57 to 64. I don't know. Yeah. I'm kind of guessing in there. Yeah. And in that military uniform when he was in the army. <laughs> that comes to mind. Okay. Well, anyhow. <laughs> We're just uh, giving a picture to 
what the teenage girls experienced in those oh, years. Yeah. I can't imagine the charisma that came off of that stage. Especially when people didn't shake the way he did. Yeah. Like that was like scandalous. Well, but let's talk just about the shake just for a second. It was nerves. He was young, you guys. Well, some of it was. He but... moved it into part of his routine, but the initial jitters he was a very shy person they were real people don't realize that either yeah yeah he had the passion but then in terms of the onstage presence because he had never even really performed publicly he i read that he'd been a part of a variety show in high school so that put him on stage a little bit but even then i bet he wasn't on there by himself or as the main focal point so true so it wasn't until that appearance in uh the memphis shell that we visited yes that that was considered his his, first ever public concert yeah whatever well let's go even further back so if people are big elvis fans they already know this but if you're not or you know you're younger he was a twin. I think people forget this. I forget it. Um, and the his twin brother was stillborn. So, yeah, yeah. But I thought it was interesting. His parents decided to spell his name, Elvis, and his middle name, Aaron, A-R-O-N. Oh, I didn't know that. And that was so it would match the twin brother's name, Jesse Garen, G-A-R-O. Oh, yeah. So they wanted them to be have middle names that were rhyming. Okay. And looked similar. And looked similar. Mm-hmm. But. Jesse. I know. Um, but uh, Elvis actually preferred the biblical spelling of the name. Mm-hmm. The A-A-R-O-N. Okay. And sometime in the year before his death, he decided to legally change his name. Oh, maybe that's why I haven't known that. Ever because known I've it was seen A-R-O-N. on his grave. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, interesting. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, let's, yeah, talk, let's go back to some growing up days. Well, I found a really cool article um, on History Channel. So, Elvis was born on January 8th, 1935, in the two-room house, his parents' two-room house in Tupelo. Wow. East Tupelo, Mississippi. And, like I said, the brother was, the twin brother was stillborn, so he was buried and just a little unmarked grave, mm-hmm. you know, right down the road. Um, but Elvis spoke of his twin throughout his life, um, even though he grew up as an only child in that very poor family. Yeah. Um, his father, Vernon, worked a series of odd jobs. And in 1938, he was sentenced to three years in prison for forging a $4 check. $4. Spent oh. less than a year behind bars. Um, and anyway, the Presleys in 1948 moved from Tupelo to Memphis in search of better opportunities. Mm -hmm. And boy, was that a good move. For sure. To get Elvis where he needed to be. Yeah. He attended Humes High School where he failed a music class. Oh my gosh. And was considered quiet and an outsider. I've never heard that he failed a music class. Wow. He graduated in 1953, becoming the first member of the immediate family to earn a high school diploma. Wow. And after graduation, he worked at a machinist shop and drove a truck before launching his music career with the July 1954 recording of That's All Right. 
Okay, so yeah, so let's talk about influences. Yes, you, yes, yes. You've, you've painted the picture that he really didn't come from a musical family. He came from a very poor family that were, sound like, probably very hard workers that yeah. tried to just make ends meet. But do you remember when we visited the National Museum for African American Music here in Nashville? Yes. They had a section in all different genres of music that showed you... It was so cool. It was so cool. The technology in that museum is unreal. But it showed you you could, you know, touch the person in that genre's name. And it would be, it would show you who they were influenced by, who their peers were, and who they went on to influence. Yes. I and, mean, that is some I cool mean, technology. It was like a web. You could just keep touching people, who influenced who, who was a peer to who. So when you think about Elvis... He was influenced by pop and country music of the time, the gospel music he heard in church, the all-night gospel music he heard in like revivals, tent, revival yeah. sorts of settings, the black R&B that he absorbed in Memphis on Bill Street yep. and in different bars and places where music was being made that's quite a melting pot for sure and you know what's interesting he actually had hits in different realms like that I mean he had country and gospel and you know lots of different genres he wasn't just pop yeah I think most people think of him as pop I thought it was interesting that the only he's had 14 I believe it was Grammy nominations okay but only three wins and they were all gospel Yes, yes. I thought that was that really interesting. Cool. Yeah. Anyway. It is interesting. So, wow. yeah. So when you think about influences, he's got a huge melting pot. But then when you also think of peers, I mean, he had some good ones. He had Jerry Lee Lewis. He had Little Richard. He had B.B. King, Carl Perkins. Johnny like Cash. These are the people that are his peers. And then if you want to even go on to say who did he influence, um, the world. <laughs> every musician in some way shape or form so i'm continually amazed when you're in sightseeing places you know where there's lots of tourists mm-hmm. how many asians there are like literally just because there are so many in our world sure like in america it might not be a huge percentage right. but with the world population Worldwide, it is yes so there's so many asians at graceland oh okay you know when like, you go you, yeah yeah <laughs> yes that's for sure well let me can I talk on worldwide reach just for, for a sure. second? Okay. So if you got to see the Elvis movie that came out this year in 2022, then you got to sort of see or be reminded that Elvis didn't leave the United States for touring. I know. Whoa. He wanted to. Whoa. And that old stinker manager. Well, I'll get to him in just a second. So, and if you haven't seen Elvis, the movie, and locally here, it's still in theaters. I don't know where you live, but it could even be still in the theaters where you're the closest to you. So check that out. It's a must see. But it's it's a biological or biographical um, musical drama by Boz Lerman, and it focuses mostly on this complex dysfunctional relationship between Elvis and his manager who's played by Tom Hanks and Colonel Tom Parker yeah yeah Tom Hanks I mean can he do any wrong I know I'm not everybody seeing him as a yeah but so I'd never really thought about 
you know, the worldwide reach that Elvis had minus never being a worldwide touring artist. You might say that Germany probably heard him sing on their soil since he was stationed there from October 58 to March 1960. He was serving as a soldier in the U.S. Army there. And I read he was prohibited from actually performing during service. Okay. I don't know if that's still a rule today. But you know he found some time to sing for others informally, right? Because he was music making at the time. Yeah. So yeah. I think, it, you know, maybe it's a stretch to think of him being, you know, a performer over there in Germany. Maybe not, though. The town of Friedberg near Frankfurt, where Elvis served, has an Elvis square. They have three traffic lights featuring the king image as the crosswalk sign. Like a green silhouette of Elvis shaking his hips. I'm going to hold up a sign. Or a oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah. imagine the oh, famous, yeah. you know, sort of <laughs> pose of the hips shot out. That's the green go. And then it goes red and he stops and goes back that to the is mic. adorable. That sounds yeah. adorable. So that's been installed. And in nearby, I don't really know how to say this, maybe Bad Nauheim, where he actually lived while in Germany, you can attend the annual European Elvis Festival and see a bronze statue of him. 45 years after his death, fans or European fans are still, maybe even worldwide fans, are still making a pilgrimage to pay respects. Even though it's not where he died, even it's just the only real place that he set foot outside the U.S. where they can for any given time, yes. and so it's kind of their only place to pay or have a pilgrimage location. That's actually where he met Priscilla yeah, too while he was right. serving. She was only fourteen at the time, but I think it was about seven years later they ended up getting married. But it's estimated that forty percent of Elvis Presley records have been sold outside, outside the United US. States. I saw that too. Unbelievable. So you mentioned the Colonel, Colonel Tom Parker. He is He stifled him. But here's terribly, what's so but... interesting, not in the opinion of nineteen fifty six Elvis, because I read an interview. There's this great book. I'll put a mention of it in our show notes. It's called Elvis Word for Word. What he said, exactly how he said it. Okay. It's interviews. And look at that smile. Word oh for goodness. word interviews. I love this because yeah. you don't always take it get out. That. You can't take it out of context, you know, context and write a story and it's just word for word. So. Yeah, but that's a pretty young Elvis. He was born. I know. Yeah. I he know. didn't know yet. Yeah. So how in manipulated this, he was being. In this 1956 uh, question, he was asked about what kind of advice Tom Parker Colonel Tom Parker gives him and Elvis responds everything in other words he's the one guy that really gave me my break in other words I don't think I don't know for sure I don't think I ever I've ever been very I would have ever been very big if it wasn't for him he's a very smart man hmm. so that and is he's 21 right so there so perplexing that? um yeah okay yeah that he had it in him because he was Elvis was special. He was so special. I mean, I remember when we did our tour of Sun Records, and they were talking about that Sam Phillips was away, and the secretary, mm, yeah. that's the co-owner, yes, was so, like, covered in chills mm-hmm. when he 
just by his presence, much less she went ahead and let him record. Yeah. So let me tell that story because okay. that one's really I'm interesting. Just it off the cuff, but I just it really stood out to me that she knew he was special right when he came in the door. Yes. So this was interesting. So Elvis was a mama's boy, for sure. Yes. Okay. He very much cared about his mom's opinion of things. Almost a, maybe a little unhealthy-ish maybe. sometimes, it seems yeah. like. But yeah. That's a whole nother. Okay. So yeah, in 1953, so he's what? Eight, 18. 18 years old. Elvis walks into the Memphis Recording Service. <laughs> that's what it was called. It's the home of Sun Records in Memphis. And he records the song, My Happiness. Okay. Everybody thinks it was, that's all right. That was the first real recording. That was the first. So the first actual time he set foot in Sun Records as the Memphis Recording Service. He goes in to record My Happiness because he wants to make a gift for his mom. Yes. He just wanted to have something. you get to leave with a record. To show her, to give her of him singing. It's like the version of you know customizing anything today i mean it's just like so special to give your mom something with that you made or your name on it so you're as you mentioned sam phillips the founder of sun sun records he was not in the studio that day and presley was helped by phillips assistant marion keisker so presley goes in he sings the ballads my happiness which was the a side if you're familiar with vinyl you're this is all ringing a bell and then the b side was called uh, a song called that's when your heartache begins after the record was cut the assistant wrote presley's name and phone number down and jotted a note that said he was a good ballad singer so for four dollars elvis leaves with the uh 78 rpm record love it meant as a gift for his mother gladys and actually as the story goes he stopped at a friend's house to listen to that record and he left it there so i don't I, that was one version i heard and it was kept in a safe and auctioned off in 2015 that's not too long ago for three hundred thousand dollars oh my god okay but let's jump back into just sun records for a minute so um in 1954, a year later, is when he began his singing career with the legendary Sun Records label in Memphis. So you had mentioned that it was that assistant that yeah, was like, yeah. hey, this guy's good. Yeah. Like, we should have him in. And so Sam Phillips calls Elvis into the studio to try singing a song. Sam hopes to put on a record. The song Without You is the title, and Elvis actually didn't sing it to sam phillips satisfaction level to begin with (laughs) so long story short elvis gets teamed up with some local musicians scotty moore on guitar and bill black on bass and that later became his band that he toured with and that he was on the louisiana hayride with which was the live saturday night show country music show originating in shreveport louisiana and he became a part of that show and was kind of locked into a contract there. It was good exposure for him. So great yeah. on the front end yeah. of things. But then kind of started limiting him because he, he couldn't really get very far away from Shreveport to do other shows. Right. So he stayed yeah. kind of regional, Louisiana and Texas, um, in terms of uh, Actual in, in-person visits. Right. But, I mean, that record was being played everywhere and that record being that's all right which he was the song that i think everyone thinks 
was his first ever song. And it, it technically was. It was his first hit. So, Well, and another thing is that I, I thought was interesting was Elvis recorded more than 600 songs, but he did not write any of them. Oh, that is interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think it's always interesting, you know, the naysayers on the front end, because, you know, they'll all come back to claim you later, right? <laughs> That's so true. But I don't know if a lot of people have heard that his first appearance on the Grand Ole Opry did not go well. Did not go well. The Grand Ole Opry would have been considered a competitor to that Louisiana Hayride show, because they're okay, both, both kind of in-person, or they're both radio-focused. Um, the Grand Ole Opry was carried by 190 stations in 13 states and so at this time much much bigger yeah but it's still you know i guess they still considered the louisiana hayride a competitor anyway so yeah he he did not do well and i can't remember if i put down i I feel like somebody told him like not to quit your your day job go back to the electric company or something i think that's right something was said to him that was yeah like yeah don't don't come back so i think it's also interesting but we'll move off of sun records here in a minute but sam phillips did go on just a year later to sell the elvis contract so in late 1955 his recording contract was sold to rca that was negotiated by colonel parker the sale included elvis's five sun singles and his unreleased sun material the price of the sale was $40,000. That oh, was unprecedented at the time. Elvis got That a- sounds so low to me, though. Like, uh, I'm sure it was high then, yeah, but dang. Yeah, unprecedented. Elvis got a $5,000 bonus. But here's what's interesting. Any small business owner out there, I believe you will relate to this. Sam Phillips, according to some of his children that I've heard speak about that sale, I mean, maybe he felt like it was a backed into a corner situation I don't know I wasn't there but in some ways he wanted to do it because he wanted money to put into his business he was this was a very very new business that he was starting and he had dreams of growth to grow many artists and that kind of a sale being put into your business allows you to dream and do things and it's easy to I think it's like well that was stupid but yeah yeah I think as a small business owner, you see, you don't get to draw money out very early on. You have to continue putting more money and more money into the business. And so, otherwise, it basically stays a lemonade stand, you know? It's kind of a thing. Good point. We're learning that about our podcast right now. (laughs) Um, But anyway, Sun Records was a huge part of his upbringing and the foundation of his career so got his first single for rca was heartbreak hotel Mm -hmm. that released in 56 and became the first of his career to sell more than 1 million copies so that there again sam phillips going so was i holding him back like what you know i mean i don't know that's incredible though these these are numbers too that are hard to imagine in today's music because of all the access we have to streaming. And the sheer population increase. Uh Think about the population was so much less then, too. Yeah. So to hit numbers like that. Yeah. That's affecting a higher percentage of people. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right, exactly. Well, and then shortly after that, in 1957, 
at just age 22, he bought Graceland. Whoa, he was only 22. Isn't that crazy to think about buying an estate like that at 22? No. So... Again, in 1957, this would have been a lot of money, but $102,500. That's to, what he bought it for? Yes. No way. 14 acres. Um, that house was, you know, it was already built. The yeah. home was already yeah. there by Dr. Thomas Moore and his wife, Ruth. Okay. And so, yeah. Um, wow. It was named Graceland in honor of the original owner's daughter, Grace. Okay. And so anyhow, he purchased that and he did do a number of updates to the property over the years that he owned it, including the addition of the music themed iron entrance gates that you can, you know, see pictures of. Yeah, they got music notes all over them. Yeah. (laughs) The indoor waterfall and racquetball building and anyway, just amazing. Graceland is incredible. It is, well, Elvis, it was Elvis's home for 20 years. Yeah. So... I mean, it is pretty cool to think about the amount of life he had there from 22 to 42. Yeah. And literally died there. Yeah. It's, um, did you know it's the most, the second most visited historical home in the U.S. after the White House? After the White House. Wow. They okay. earn about $10 million annually in Unbelievable. visits. Well, in 2006, George W. Bush became the first sitting U.S. president to visit Graceland. Really? He traveled there with the Japanese prime minister. I'm not going to even be able to pronounce his name. That's fine. But um, we, be- we believe you. That Japanese prime minister was a diehard Elvis fan. Really? There again. World told you the, yes, the influence was vast. Wow. But yeah, um, very well worth seeing if you... Whether you're an Elvis fan or not, it's just... That's what I was about to say. Yeah, you don't have to be an Elvis fan to be able to enjoy that property and... I mean, they have his plane. That might be additional it is. fees and... Go see it all, y'all. Like, it's all incredible. <laughs> it is. If you have to pick, just do the house. But yeah. Yeah, I don't. I didn't do the plane. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And he's buried there. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, we've mentioned a lot about his music career, but it wasn't even just a music career. He starred in 31 feature films. I thought it was like four beach films when I, <laughs> if you would have asked me at the onset of this. Yeah. Two, I had no idea. It's, yeah. And two theatrically released concert documentary films. Wow. Um, yeah. For a number of years, he was one of Hollywood's top box office draws, one of the highest paid actors. Um, and he wanted to be. This was all. Well, he wanted serious filmmaking. He did. Though, and he no, didn't he ever did. get that. And but that again, makes me sad. Because yeah, he, he probably could have done so much more than just being a. No, he wanted to be James Dean. I know. That was who he wanted to be. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he did. It wasn't. I, sometimes I think, oh, like, why would somebody put him in television and take him away from music? Have you seen that face? I, well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Let's reach as many people as we can and television. And that's selling food. tickets right there. <laughs> no, I mean, we'll let's let be that. real. Well, some of his top selling music came from his movies. 11 of his motion picture soundtracks went to the top 10. Okay. And of those four went to number one. So the wow. soundtrack for GI Blues in 1960 was number one on the Billboard Top 100 album for 10 weeks. Wow. And the album from Blue Hawaii was number one for 20 weeks. I'm pretty sure mom had that one. Blue Hawaii? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I, I think they just replayed that at the theater here, too, for, for celebration of him, Elvis Week. Yeah. Well, 
and there's so much more money to be made in television and film a lot of yeah, times yeah. and so as yeah. as he started Network television too yeah as he started getting on this trajectory you know you start seeing money money talking cha-ching, cha-ching. putting your efforts where the money is so he did three um network television specials as well oh yeah they, they so yeah Elvis in 1968, Elvis Aloha from Hawaii via satellite <laughs> in 1973, and Elvis in concert, 1977. Wow. Well, way before those numbers, I do think a lot of people remember, you know, the hip-shaking saga that was... <laughs> Ed Sullivan. Yes. So I, again, I don't know, I love putting people in their place with statements they make but I think it is pretty funny to think Ed Sullivan had once said he would never have this controversial singer on, on his, his top show. rated show mm-hmm. but that was the week before Elvis's appearance on Steve Allen and the Steve Allen show when they had Elvis on surpassed all of Sullivan's ratings yep Sullivan then pays Elvis $50,000 to make three appearances on his show, which at the time was more money than any performer had ever been paid to appear on any variety program. So Elvis goes on to make his appearances on the Ed Sullivan show. And he says, uh, I wanted to say to Elvis and the country that this is a real decent fine boy. It was on this very same Sullivan appearance that Elvis was shown on camera from the waist up only. One of the early television history's most memorable moments. So funny. And because I was talking about percentage of population then and stuff, listen to these figures. 60 million people saw that. More than 80% of the TV viewing audience tuned in to that show. You can't get that number anywhere today. Ain't no Super Bowl no, pulling that no, kind of, no, you know, no. like percentage wise. Yes, I mean, exactly. I'm not talking about just numbers. Exactly. Unreal. Wow, that's crazy. Well, Hawaii was definitely um, a place where I think he got. I don't know. I felt like it was a place of refuge for him. He got mm. to do some films and stuff there. But you can't talk about Elvis without turning and talking about. Just the sadness. The downward of, spiral. Yeah. The hard yeah. The hardness of it all. I'm I'm grateful that faith does seem to have played a role in his early years and then circled yeah. back into his yeah. last years. In that book I mentioned earlier the, with all the interviews, um, you know, he spent many years in the Las Vegas Hilton doing shows there, so much so he had like a suite that he lived in yeah. in that Hilton. And that's the Las Vegas building that our parents saw, saw this show. Elvis. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, he was lonely. Of and course. What a sad, sad. It, it all sounds so glamorous, but it's not. It's a lonely, lonely thing. And you definitely see this in some of the um, writings that they found of, of him. And this was December 1976. So. This was, what, about eight months or so before from, he passed when he died at Graceland. But, I mean, things like, this is what he wrote, I will be glad when this engagement is over. I need some rest from all of this, but I can't stop. I won't stop. Maybe I'll take everyone to Hawaii for a while. Mm. Um, others 
notes said, these are just little jottings down on like napkins. Uh, I don't know who I can talk to anymore, nor who to turn to. I only have myself and the Lord. Help me, Lord, to know the right thing. I wish there was someone I could trust and talk to. Prayer is my only salvation now. I feel lost sometimes. Be still and know I am God. Feel me within before you know I am there. So I'm grateful that there were like seedlings, it sounds like, of just, because even, I mean, he's just literally like kind of quoting scripture as he's writing sad things. Um, it sounds like there was the instilled scriptures or things that he knew to be true. Yeah. That were in there. In the shaky, in the shaking, he still knew the kind of solid. But he was, yeah. Well, he was pushed and you just can't physically, emotionally, spiritually. Nobody can do up with the demand that was on him. But I do believe that even you know, those seeds of his faith showed up in his generosity in life. He was known as being so generous, not just with the people he knew, but people that he barely knew. I mean, waitresses. and That's when it gets fun, right? That's when it's so amazing. We're talking about buying Graceland at 22, but he also gave away an estimated 200 Cadillacs. Wow. On one single day, he purchased 32 Cadillacs and had given them all away by the afternoon. Cadillacs, not, you know, expensive leather jackets or guitars. Cadillacs. Wow. Yeah. Probably best day of his life. Right? Right, getting to be that generous. So, and even in addition to Cadillacs, and he also gave away jewelry and cash to friends and strangers, he, um, he purchased... Um, FDR's presidential yacht in Whoa. 1964. He paid 55000 for it um, and later donated that to St. Jude's there in Memphis. Wow. Um, and they uh, sold the vessel to raise money. And then That's um, cool. he also did several benefit concerts. In fact, I loved mm. this. Of course, mm-hmm. he had been in the military, so that would be important to him. But um, one performance that he did in six, 1961 generated um, more than $50,000 toward the completion of the USS Arizona Memorial in Hawaii. Um, work on that project had been paused because they didn't have the money. To oh wow! Do it, and so um, that was kind of a a um, monument for Pearl Harbor. Yeah, the Pearl Harbor yeah, attack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, the funds for the concert he did that fifty thousand was able to progress that project. So wow. Anyway, I think he just did a lot of different. You know. Well, I think he had generous. an incredible heart. Yeah, I think he was an incredible man, and there's so much that's been written filmed documented about him i mean if you're an elvis fan it's endless the amount of resources that you can find to try and get to know more about him in the short 42 years that we had him here i know it's wild to think about um even just in pondering how controversial that ed sullivan was that the plumb line how it's fallen now yeah. Like that little <laughs> hip shake is nothing compared to right. what's going on on TV yeah. now. Yeah. You yeah. know, but 
Well, we mentioned Sun Records earlier. That was definitely a monumental place for Elvis. And Sun is celebrating their 70th birthday this year. So cool. So we're actually going to do a Sun Records giveaway. Wanted to mention that. And the prize is awesome. I know. Y'all. I guess I don't qualify. No. (laughs) (laughs) Because I want this. So they are releasing at least one new vinyl per month. That's cool. And they're selling limited edition collector boxes, which come with an exclusive t-shirt and then a box you can fill with your favorite Sun Records. But we, on our Instagram account, are going to be giving away one test pressing vinyl. That'll be picked at random. This is all one grand prize. One official Sun 70th vinyl that's curated, uh, like a curated compilation and then a Sun t-shirt. So you're going to get two vinyls and a Sun t-shirt as the prize. Those are all collector's items. And we'll have that up on our Instagram to enter to win that this week. So look for that. Happy birthday, Sun. Yeah. 70 is no small feat. They've seen a lot of artists on their roster. Some big ones. Okay. Well, Rest in peace, Elvis, and peace be with you, Laura Beth. Thank you. And also with y'all. <laughs>